0: the human apparatus the human apparatus gives meaning to things that's what we do it's called a subjective experience so we can see the same thing but we can give different meanings to it like if I'm we did this last night but here I am, today I'm not in good shape so when I see this, it's a problem the next day I'm in good shape I see it, it's not a problem the day after I'm not in good shape I see it, it's a problem what is it? Is it a problem or isn't it a problem? It's whatever I give it the meaning, yeah? and the meaning is going to be based on the condition I seem to be in. And we have been seemingly in a condition called self-centeredness, so we have been. That system has been giving our life the meaning it has. Yeah? and for us, a lot of us, it's not that satisfying, so we look for other ways. Yeah. To get meaning, get loaded, do this, do that, act out, have, you know, sleep with lots of babes, somehow try to get meaning and value out of a life. But again, we're still working out of the system of self-centeredness. It's a very small system. We've been through every one of its possibilities already. You've been over every inch of what self-centeredness has to offer. Its main advertising is you'll be special someday, somehow. Really. Basically, all it's and it's and it's incessantly hoping that somehow it's going to be great someday, but not now usually. Because when it's really great now, it worries that it's going to not be great. But while it's yeah, it's always constantly worrying that it would like it to be great. But when it actually becomes great, you start worrying how this can't possibly last. You have to also see simple a mind of our conditioning. If you are having a good day, it may let it may let it last for 10 minutes, 15 minutes and then it starts wondering when are they going to figure out who it is? I know this can't keep going like this it's it's something shitty has to happen but the same head if it feels shitty it says it's going to last forever so when it's feeling good it minimizes it when it's feeling bad it maximizes it why would you want that to interpret your life (laughs) where it's going to take all your hopes and dreams (laughs) and then all the things you'd really like to avoid hit the long game. And it is not you. And that's why. It's not the dog. You can be relieved of its shit. Not just by cleaning up. Not by training it. Not by giving it bones every day. Please, don't shit today. I'm having a picnic. And you know what happens. It usually shits anyway. But to realize I'm not that. That's all I'm presenting in <laughs> sense. You're not that which is producing and presenting and representing the life as you see it. The seeing of the life is a demonstration of what you are, and how you see it can be changed by entertaining something other than self-centeredness. So, in. So I'm not going to go over the four columns. When we do. That's the first thing we look at, right? We look at resentments because it's the number one offender, man. People cook with a resentment. Jeez, I mean, something that happened that maybe it probably doesn't even didn't even happen the way you think it does. You just resurrect it every freaking day, you know? Jesus Christ! And there's a story, you know, the story in the back, well, freedom from bondage, one of the uh, story from a woman I really like. She's the one that has the story about she had a resentment towards her mother, yeah. And when she entered AA, they told her about, you have to get rid of your resentments. And she believed all her life that she would. She was totally willing to give up this resentment about her mother. She didn't even, she just felt so bad that she even held it. But when, it, when push came to shove, she realized she really liked that resentment about her mother. That resentment about her mother was an excuse for her failed marriages, for the reason why she didn't go to college. For all these things that she wasn't accepting in her life, she could blame what happened with her mother on. So this resentment was incredibly important to self-centeredness. There was no way it was giving up this resentment, because then what would happen? You may have to face up to what's so, you may have to tell the truth. But no, I've got this perfect excuse. My mother, my mother, my mother! <laughs> So coming to see that, it woke her up to a thing, and she was going, through, she realized she didn't want to give this resentment up, so what do I do with a resentment I don't really want to give up? Well, then she came across some, a magazine, and it was a clergyman who had a story in it saying, if you have a resentment that you can't seem to give up, follow this suggestion. Pray for that person to have everything you want and more for at least a couple of weeks, or until the feeling in you shifts when that person's name comes up, right? And so she did it. So it took a long and a couple weeks, but she realized what happens to us is, you know, poison is like, resentment is like taking poison to hurt someone else. (laughs) You take the poison of a resentment and you think you're hurting the other person. It's killing you. So what happened with me, I did this with that woman I was talking about earlier, the first woman. My first fairy princess in AA. And then the, the relationship had collapsed and I was at a party. And um, in the day, it was like a little whatever it was. And she, I hadn't seen her in about a month or two, and she walked in very majestically with this beautiful looking guy. And I swear, it was like rose petals were being dropped. And there was light, uh, like a halo around both of them. And I saw them walking in and the whole party turned around. Oh, look at this wonderful couple. And I was sitting there and man, I was feeling not well. Yeah, I was so fucking pissed. Actually, I was just hurt. Yeah, my 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 little self centeredness my little self-esteem was just like a raisin. So I started to think ill of her and her husband. Yeah, and every time her name would come up in my head, I feel like I was not wishing either of them too much wellness. Yeah, and it was starting to cook in me. And I had remembered this story, so I started to do that every night. I started to do it formally, and at any time her head, she popped up in my head, I said, "Wish I really wish Wendy and Tom have everything I want and more. And I didn't mean a damn thing of it, but after a few weeks of doing it, that bile, that nasty taste in me switched. Yeah. So by letting go of them, I was let go. That was the beauty of it. And then I never thought ill of her since. Every time her name's come up, I've never thought ill since then, or nor him. Though she, she divorced them anyway. <laughs> that may have made it easier. But there was like, you know, there was a relief, yeah. So, in a sense, resentment, to hold on to resentment is obviously poisoning us. And what it really does, in a way, seemingly here, it blocks you off from the sunlight of the Spirit. Yeah? So you're totally under the dominion of that self playing God. And that self... The playing God of that is darkness. It's not light. There's no illumination in it. All you're doing is the same old same old. You have no fucking clue what's really happening. Yeah. So when I did it, I started writing out my resentments, and I, uh, you know, they said it's institution people and, and uh, principles. And so I did that. And uh, when I first did it, I didn't really understand. I couldn't take, I didn't get the leap from the first two columns to the fourth column. I really didn't see the bridge that brought the fourth column, like, the whole point is to put the spotlight on you, and actually, to me, on self, really. But when I did Joe and Charlie, those guys that did the big book seminar, I think they passed away now, they, when I went to see them, I, I went to see them the first three years of my sobriety and then I stopped. I had got what I needed to get. But when I went there and they explained the inventory process, I understood what they meant and I went home to my motel where I stand and I did one. It was very easy. It was just boom, 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 because I saw. I saw exactly how, what caused me to perceive someone as a threat and the reaction to it because it was all self. Yeah, It was like wearing a pair of glasses I saw things as threats that people are out to get me, and obviously the reaction would be based on that information, that false evidence appearing real. So, I'd like to move to fear, unless anyone has questions on resentment. Fear starts, and you know the inventory process, what we do, is after you do the first couple of columns, then you go back, and you look at those columns, and you try to look at the people who uh, you seem to have resentment towards in a forgiving attitude, and you go back again, and then you do. You look at what part of yourself it affected. Your agenda, and then the fourth column. And they give you those four categories of selfish, self-seeking, selfishness, inconsiderate, and dishonest. To me, inconsiderate and dishonest are self-seeking and selfishness. I mean, they're, they're just expressions of it. So all all of my inventory always got to selfishness and self-seeking. It was always about that. Yeah. So... That's what the whole inventory is about for me. Is really, if you have the right invitation, which I hope you've been given today, is that you may not be that self. What it does, it shows you self in. You get to do an inventory on what a life looks like when self is running it, and what kind of expressions they're in, and what's the pollution of it, what's the garbage that's produced. Yes? When you're in self, you cannot process this place well. You can't. And you're having hundreds of engagements with different things all day and people and feelings and thoughts. And what's what's taking the role of being the processor sucks at processing. So you actually become a storage unit. All your resentments, your secrets, all this stuff, you can't actually you can't process through them, you store them. And then if it gets too much, you dump them on others. And usually you'll pick a significant other to dump some of the shit on. Yeah, because you wouldn't do what you do to a significant other to a stranger. They kick the shit out of you, literally. But you will do it to someone who's given you a pass by "quote unquote" loving you. You just pull up the truck and let's dump it on them. And then usually there's an agreement that they'll dump theirs on you. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's the whole deal. So the relationship sort of has a different purpose than it seemed to have started out about. You know, it was love, and now it's like wow. But you see, this thing is incapable of processing life. That's why it interprets it. That's why it rehashes it and represents it. Because it can't get it the way it's being presented. It doesn't get the livingness of it. It really doesn't. So, all right, fear. Fear starts off on uh, 67, the bottom of it. And it says, listen, man, notice that the word fear, it talks about it's always in all the categories, right, in the front. And it says, the short word somehow retouches about every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. So let's say the fabric of my existence was blue, dark blue. And so fear would be an evil, corroding thread with the same color. It's very difficult to see what's the fear and what isn't, yeah? Because it's so interwoven in the fabric of the existence of being a self. It's like the blood, it's like the blood system of self. It's the circulation of self, is anxiety and fear about what's not happening, literally. It's what it thrives on and loses It's set in motion. This is what I talked about last night. I'll talk about it again, though. It, meaning fear, set in motion, trains of circumstances, which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. So this is what occurs. We make a decision based on fear, obviously trains of circumstances, happen they bring us a result it's mostly if we see it as a misfortune and our reaction to it is I don't deserve this misfortune yeah in other words I've got to look this to who I can blame or whatever and then when I don't deserve misfortune I tend to resent yeah I get resentful hey you you did this to me you're the one that's making me feel this way yeah? so this this loop is what most of us are suffering in yeah fear making decisions on fear ourselves, setting up traits of circumstances, more misfortune, more reaction, more decisions, and you want to get relief in that loop, and so drinking and doing drugs and eating a lot of ice cream and acting out looks pretty good, (laughs) literally. Because it's just going and going and going and going. To me, this is really the blueprint or the skeleton of a bottom. You're making decisions based on self, trains of circumstances happen, misfortune occur, and it's just spiraling down into a bottom. And that's the mechanism of it, yeah? You may have different places you go and different scenarios and different cameo appearances, but the basic energy is the exact same. Making decisions based on self, setting off these trains of circumstances, misfortune in happening, getting resentful, wanting, wanting to get back, retaliate, drinking and using, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So in AA, what we do is you come in here, hopefully you've been, your ass has been kicked thoroughly enough that you make a decision based on hope, really, yeah? They tell you, hey, come back. And you go, hey, I hope you're right. They tell you, you should get a sponsor. And you go, okay, I hope you're right. Hey, get a commitment at the meeting, be the greeter, or make coffee. Okay, I hope you're right, you know, I hope this is going to help me. And then what occurs is, you come to believe that it does, because AA delivers the goods really AA if you're awake you'll see that it works because it does I mean how obvious can it be so. so let's say here I'm sitting in this room and I'm I've got let's say there's a beautiful girl in the room and I'm, I'm planning on meeting her maybe yeah I'm sitting here and uh, there's my friend who's very happily married and so he sees the beautiful girl, and I see the beautiful girl, but we give the beautiful girl different names, yeah? She's my next savior, hopefully, and he, he just says there is a beautiful girl. So uh, let's see, someone comes in the room, and to me, this guy looks really cool, yeah? He's got a nice shark skin suit, I could hear the Ferrari pull up. And so I have a plan, on am to this woman already, I haven't even talked to her. But now when I see this guy walk in, I see him as a threat, yeah? But you don't. Because I think she'd rather be with him than me. Why? Because he's got a Ferrari, he's got money. You're just sitting there, oblivious. You say, that nice suit, and you go back doing what you were doing. But because I'm looking for something that I don't believe I have, that causes me to be able to be threatened, yes? So now this guy comes in, and I'm sitting there the whole night doing the talk, this and that, stewing. I wish this motherfucker... Sure, she's going to go right over to him. i got to get over there fast, whatever. And so after the meeting, I go to him and I say, Hey, listen, next week's meeting's been moved. It's at another location. <laughs> so this is what happens yes? when life is, and self is running the show. When, when you're relying on self, self is fearful. Yes? So it's apt to see everything as a threat. When you're relying on something greater than self, and you're being taken care of, that fearfulness is lifted, and you won't see the threats. It's like this. It's like a balloon. Let's take a balloon. And the balloon is going to represent self. Yeah. And now air, or excessive, air is going to be representing obsession with self. Okay? So here's the balloon. balloon is self. And air is going to represent obsession with self. And here's us. We're self. Yes? And now, I have an agenda. I want to be happy, joyous and free. I want to have money, I want this, I want that. The balloon has an agenda, but its agenda is very simple. It doesn't want to be popped. That's the only thing it cares about, yeah? It doesn't have that much air, its skin is pretty thick, and that's the only gauge it has how it's doing, is the thinness or thickness of its skin. If its skin gets too thin, it starts entertaining. Hey, I can be popped, yeah? If the skin is thick, it's just a balloon. Now we have an agenda. I want this, I want that, I want to get this, I want that, and it should translate to be happy. Yeah? And we gauge ourselves by judging how we're doing. Yeah, how much do I have, what am I doing, I'm getting. Yeah? And so we're unchecking my condition by that. So let's say here's the balloon. Now the balloon has alcoholism. It. Yeah? It's totally fine, just as it is. But suddenly air is filling up the balloon. As the balloon gets bigger, the skin gets thicker, it's thinner, yeah? What happens? Self-centeredness arises. Hey, I could be popped soon. Jesus, what am I going to do about this? That's more air going into it. (laughs) Now the balloon's even thinner, the skin, and it's an incredible amount of fear about being popped, and now it starts looking around the room at what it thinks can pop it. It doesn't need to know, it, it doesn't mean the thing can actually pop it. All it has to do is believe it can pop it. So I start looking around the room and I see an exposed light, and I go, well, if I touch that light, bam, oh, I'm gone. And then there's a sharp point, if I go near that point, bam, oh, I'm gone. So now, it's in a lot of self-centered fear and it's resenting and feeling threatened by a lot of different things, because at this point, anything seems to be able to pop it. What does it do? It thinks more about its situation. Now the balloon is really big, the skin is super thin, you're in a huge amount of anxiety, and you're basically resenting and fear and and feeling threatened by everything. This is the condition we're in with untreated alcoholism. The more obsessed with yourself, the more after you're going to be in fear, and the more threats you're going to perceive. The threats and the fear isn't coming from outside, it's actually based on the obsession level you're in. The more obsessed with self, the more apt you're going to be in anxiety and and in a a sense of threat. Yeah. So what happens? Let's take some of the air out. As the air comes out of the balloon, the skin gets thicker. The self-centeredness goes, hey, I'm feeling pretty good now. It goes down. It doesn't see threats anymore in the room because its skin's pretty cool. It feels pretty good. Exactly what happens with us. Like it says in AA, the steps are meant to be ego-deflating steps. So the ego gets deflated, or the sense of self gets deflated. And when it takes a, a, a more right-sized posture, then it has an ease and comfort it can never have by trying to get it. So the fears and resentments are in exact proportion to the obsession. There's not like a thousand fears out there that are that have your name on it. There's not like 800 resentments out there. They don't exist out there. They exist in here. Yeah? And what causes them to seem real is when here gets blown up. And how do you blow it up? By being obsessed around self. And you're not gonna stop being obsessed around self unless you realize it's not you. Because if it's, if you think it's you, you're gonna think a lot about it. I'm serious. The only thing that worked in my life is when I entertained I wasn't that, because then I lost interest in it. So the air just came out of it naturally, and now there's no threat. And why is then there's? I don't need any sentinels to be watching out and looking, because they've been they've been uh, relieved of their duty. Yes, that's called peace of mind, and I, you can enjoy it. So, with the fear, a lot of people's we do the four columns. But if you notice, a lot of times you don't have any reason why you're really in fear. Yeah, there's the first column. I'm afraid of this, but you don't really know what that is. What am I afraid of actually? Because the fear isn't being generated by circumstances, it's generated by you. So you are the source, the self is the source of the fear that you're having. You'd like to put it out on the what's happening out there, but it's actually you. It's how you're viewing things, is what's giving that the fear. Yeah. So sometimes, because when I used to do the inventory, I'd get to the second column, I really didn't know why I was afraid. I said, no, I'm just in a lot of fear, but why, I actually don't know why. But it's caused because it's actually caused by the self managing the agenda. It's the self is afraid it's going to lose what it has, and it's not going to get what it wants. So again, everything to me boils down to the true relief isn't learning how to. Well, it's helpful in the beginning to learn how to recognize it. But the, the truly relief came to me when I, I entertained that I was not that. Yes. I was not a self. And then when I realized I was not a self, something else became emphasized. A new way of living. Like it says in AA, you'll know a new freedom and a new happiness. It's not going to be the same old freedom and old happiness you think you get here, which you get it and you lose it. Yeah? But a new freedom and a new happiness, a new attitude and a new outlook. Everything's going to change because you're coming out of a self-centered system into another system. Yeah? No, what your antenna that's picking up K Paul all day or K Marianne can actually move and pick up another station. Yeah? A station that isn't centered in self. So you can see and get messages and information downloaded, not in thought, but downloaded about how life is seen from a holistic point of view. Instead of a tunnel vision. And of course, when you see something different, you react to it differently. I mean how else is it going to happen? Yeah? If you keep seeing things the same way, it's going to be very strenuous to to make yourself react differently. But when you see it differently, you'll react differently. So beautiful. I'm telling you, this is, for me, the easiest off the way. You may need to do a lot of work until that point, but at one point, the work will be done by something else. It will happen with no thought or effort on your part. The problem will not exist for you. You will cease fighting everyone and anything. These are not things to attain, they're byproducts of a psychic change. That's how you can travel. You will cease fighting everyone and anything. You'll be placed in a position of neutrality, with no thought or effort on your part. The problem will not exist for you. You'll be reborn. The fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. Can you imagine if you could travel just for an hour without anxiety? Well, that imagining is short. Is really short-changing you. You can travel a lot longer than that without anxiety. Because where the hell is anxiety? It's in not hap. What's not happening? How can you get there? Can you walk there? Can you fly there? Can you feel yourself there? Can you taste yourself there? No, all you can do is think. You have to think to bring it into, quote-unquote, reality. How else could it appear? It's not happening. It can only appear in your head. So what's bringing you that? Is your fingers bringing it to you? Is your smell bringing it to you? Or is it eyes bringing it to you? Do your ears bringing it to you? Or is it your head bringing it to you? It's your head. Where does the problem exist and reside in the thinking? Why is that? Because self is a thought. The effects of the problem and the problem are in the same location, the mental process. There is relief, because you're not the center of the system. So if you have the effects of the system, and you're praying for relief, and you're doing this, why not see if you're the center or not? ask yourself a subjective question. Who am I, maybe? Who is it that's worrying about next week? Who is it that's concerned about this or that? It doesn't mean stop concerning or not concerning. That's that's irrelevant, really. See who's it happening to. It's just sort of like, in a way, say this week I had 30 problems. Had 30 problems. This week. But look at it. Who had the 30 problems? One. Yeah? All my relationships, intimate relationships that didn't work. What was the one constant in all of them? Me. Dirty yeah? problems. Me. Why would I want to go over every problem? Go to the thing that has it. Yeah. I'm, I found that this is the biggest problem. The thing that believes it's having the problems is bigger than any problem I've ever had. Because this problem. Consistently appears. Other problems come and go. This consistently appears. Because it's the one that has the problems. That one is an imaginary thought. Your mind is producing. It's thinking it into seeming existence. It's what I call selfing. And you're not that. You are an animation, a spirit. Yeah? You are a no-thing. You are something that's not defined by a body. You're something that's looking through a body, but not defined by the body. And you are not, this body is not that. It's sort of like living in the scientist's land, or the world, the one that's looking out in the telescope, or living in the telescope world, thinking of the telescope. They're two different worlds. There's the world of telescopes, and telescopes can get bumped, and then the lenses can get broken, and the dust can appear on them, and you've got to clean it. And then there's the world of the scientist. Two different worlds, two different rules, two different regulations. Yeah, As Jesus says, you're in this world, but you're not of it. What is that of this that you're of? You're in this world, but you're not of this world. So in this world, it looks like there's separation, yeah? It's like there's bodies and time and space and everything came to go away it's everything's going to come to an end but if you're in this world but you're not of it then you must be endless you must not be of body you must not be of material if that's what he's saying you're in this world but you're not of it what part of you that you see here that you're not of is of separate body Yeah, time I'm of eternity, let's say. I am of spirit. It's a simple recognition of what's already so. If it doesn't seem to come to you, it will. Because when you turn your ability to entertain on what's true, it's infallible. It has to reveal itself. You can make you can make what's not true seem real. You're miracle workers. You know how easy it is to entertain what's true? Really freaking easy. You don't have to make it seem real. It is real. It's really a letting go and a surrender and acceptance. That's how you approach it. Not doing and having and thinking and, you know, going over it and over and over it. It's really leaving everything out alone, in a sense. So, all right, let's go to sex, Be as short as my usual adventures. I want to talk this, that perhaps there is a better way, we think so, but we are now on a different basis. The basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. That's the act of being free. The act of being free is framed by you're trusting something infinite rather than your finite self. That's how you travel life. It's not something you do as an event, oh, I trusted that yesterday. It's a trusting, it's a verb. I'm, I'm walking today trusting this infinite power rather than the finite self. And I have freedom from a lot of shit. <laughs> because that state is dominating, you yeah. So perhaps there is a better way. We think so, for we now are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. The one dilemma here is if you're identified as self, you can actually entertain, perhaps there's a better way, and you'll want to want to live, leave selfness, self-centeredness and all this, but if you're identified as it, what leaves it will be self. Yeah? The parasite is mobile, it will be traveling as you, away from the problem. And therefore... Moving away from the problem is a problem in itself. You're still bonded to the root of the problem. You're identified as self. Yeah? Even as you're trying to get out of self, you're still identified as it. See, people think they're getting out of self. In a sense, that's being in self. yeah. Because when you get out of self and then you go back in self, that's not being out of self. Being out of self is a realization you were never in self. The being out lasts a long, long time. (laughs) It's not like, oh, I was out of self because I did this and did that, now I'm back in self. If you're out of self because you did something, you'll be in self because you did something. That's playing God, yeah. So what can play God and act as if it's out of self will play God and act as if it's back in self. This piece is, is beyond that understanding. It's not in and out. It's not achievable, and it's not losable. You can't have it because you never had it, and therefore you can't lose it. See, something that you believe you have, you can entertain, you can lose, don't you? As soon as there's a feeling that I did something to get something, I also have the the thought that I can do something to lose it. It's impossible not to have that event occur. You get there, that's why you can't enjoy peace of mind. When peace of mind is available, you can't enjoy it because you think it's not gonna last. Yeah? You can't enjoy peace of mind hurriedly. You know, like it's a piece of pie. You gotta gobble it up because there's no other piece of pie. That's not enjoying peace of mind. Enjoying peace of mind is freedom from that act of selfing. That's all it is. Yeah. Your mind is disengaged by, from this chaotic grinding out this idea of being a self and it just chills out. So that's the point that I try to beat into everyone, especially in recovery, is because identification is tricky. You don't know you're identified when you are. I didn't know. I needed someone from outside of me to lay the invitation on me. I had no clue. I was practicing spirituality. I was trying to do the best I can. I had a good spiritual resume. I had done a lot of retreats and meditated 13 hours a day at times and all this stuff. And really nothing radically ever changed with all this stuff. And then someone jumped this message on me. They said, why are you looking for, who is it that's looking for a new technique of meditation? Why not ask ask yourself that question? Who is it that wants another technique of meditation? So when my attention turned on me, I realized there wasn't one. If I'm not that, then why am I beholden to it? I'm not. The possibility of freedom dawned on me and my mind can entertain its own inherent freedom. How could it not? It can only not entertain it as a self. When it's captured by self-centeredness, the mind cannot not entertain its inherent freedom. So it looks for conditional freedom. It looks for conditional happiness. It's the old happiness and the old freedom that we know so well. Yeah? It's based on what you do or don't do, or someone else does or doesn't do, and it doesn't last. It comes and goes. Yeah. This new freedom and new happiness is different than that. But not as a self. It's the recognition of not that that opens you up to the new possibility. That mind is inherently free. Free from what? The bondage of self. The fact is it cannot be bonded by self. Self does not exist. How can I be held by a chain that isn't a chain? How could I be held by it? How could something bond me if it's not something? If I'm going to be like chained to a wall, I need a chain to put me to that wall. Yeah. If there was no chain, would I be chained to that wall? Of course not. If there is no self, how could you be bonded to it? Yeah. How could you be bonded to self if there is no self? That's it. It It loses its power over you. Its power over you only comes as you. When you're taking it as you, it has power over you. It's your power it has over you. You've given it to it by being identified as it. Your thinking is you. And now it's looking to get relief. How's it worked out? It gets conditional relief, but you become a slave to getting relief, don't you? On and on and on and on and on. How can I feel better today? How can I feel better today? How can I feel better today? It's an incessant job, isn't it? You see that movie uh, Avatar, where they go to another planet, Pandora? Didn't everyone want to be one of those things? Yeah, fuck the Earth, and yeah. like be a Pandorian, whatever. It's sort of in a sense like that. They had totally different rules. Yeah. The same with you. We're in, we're living by the rules of self-centeredness. There's a different ball game happening. You can take off this uniform and put on a new one. So when I looked at sex, the funny thing is when I did my inventory of sex, I realized most of my acting on sex had nothing to do with sex. It had to do with acquiring self-esteem. That's all it was about. It was hunting for approval from good-looking women. Because no matter how bad I was, no matter what I was doing, if a good-looking woman let me sleep with her, that must have meant I was okay. And so every night I was out there, and I did drugs and stuff to keep me going. But every out there I wasn't looking for sex, I was looking for self esteem. And when I would get the self esteem, it would wear off. I'd have to go out again and get the self esteem. Or I'd see something about her that would she wouldn't be it would uh, invalidate her 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 uh, value of approval, so to speak. Oh, she's got a mole on her face. Nope, out again. I've got to meet she's gotta look better than that. I've gotta get I need some more approval, more approval, more approval, and I was insatiable for approval, not sex, really. Sex was just a vehicle. So when I did my inventory, I wrote down, all right, and the people I harmed obviously aren't just people I had sex with, you know. slept with someone's wife, so I affected the kids and him, and stuff like that. So when I looked at all of my inventory process with that, it always boiled down to the same thing. Self-seeking, self presented that I had a lack, that I had no value, it told me how to get value, which was to make babes and sleep with them, and therefore you'll get some self-esteem because you need it because you don't have it. A lie based on a lie based on a lie set off a course of action, and i just like a little robot, I just went after it, did my duty, just like cop and dope, go back, use the dope, go back out, get some more dope, use the dope, dope, go back out, get some more dope, use the dope, Go out, get the sex, use the sex, go out, out do, 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 do. Never, never getting to a point where, okay, I'm satisfied. I have enough self-esteem, that's that. Is it? Do you ever reach that point? I mean, have you ever gotten to a point where, oh, that's seeking, oh, that's the end of my seeking. I soaked, I got everything, it's enough. Finished. Haven't you ever? I think mine happened at 12.30 today. Stop, that's it, no more seeking. That last bit of sushi did it. You don't need any more sushi. Now, how can it be of good use now to other people? I'm seeking over. No, it seeks and seeks and seeks and seeks. And since you were a kid, you sought the tent and you've been seeking ever since. That's what we do. Literally. Seeking, 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 seeking. It's insatiable, isn't it? How much self-esteem does it need? I mean, how much therapy is it going to take for this thing to get okay? (laughs) I mean, how much money do I have to pay for the next therapist? Like, do I want to have a 20-year relationship with a therapist? You know, see him every day, every week, you know? Oh, yes, this is what didn't happen. Yes. All right, can you help me with what's not happening? Yes, I can help you. You can come to see me. It's not happening. Well, no, I don't like that answer. Come on, I want to go over what's not happening. Will you, I'll pay your money. Oh, sure, Let's go over. Let's go over your what's not happening. Let's see here. When's your next appointment? All right. Let's see. All right. I'm raise the price a little bit. Getting <coughs> a little busy. Let's go. Over. All right. So, what are we going to do with what's not happening for you? How are we going to get you over what's not happening? Well, maybe it's not happening. No, that's a little too obvious. But isn't that the fact? Wouldn't what would you your solution to what's not happening be if you could see? It's not happening. Yeah. Of course there's traumas and stuff in the body, and you can deal with them. But in fact, it's still nice to remember it's not happening. What set off that trauma is not happening now. Give yourself a little liberty for things to change in this moment instead of tattooing it with a past one. Yeah. That's the whole thing with this message for me. You can entertain unbelievable stuff. We just don't hear about it. Seriously, all we're given is tools to make something that's totally unbearable a little bearable. We never, we're never invited to entertain that we can actually be free of it. How could you not be free of something you're not? Obviously you can be. The only reason why you don't think you can be free is you identified as it. That's its strategy. It is a hostile takeover. The only way it can continue to have you taken over is to keep convincing you you're it. It's When you see it's not to be you, your immediate reaction is to throw it off. Yes? It's like if I had a tumor here, a big tumor, and I thought it was me. What am I going to do? I'm going to compromise with it. I'm going to go to a tailor and get shirts with a big openings of so the tumor could sit out here. I'd make it into a little armrest when I'm driving, you know, and do a lot of things, you know. And someone says, why don't you just go get it taken off? What? It would be like a novel idea. What do you mean? This is me. No, it's a tumor. You'll be totally okay. Probably better if it's taken off. You never entertained it. Yeah? Taken off. You don't have to get your special tailor-made shirts. You don't need an armrest. You see what happens? The mind just doesn't entertain. It can be free. can entertain being in servitude every freaking day by the, the little winds of the head. Oh, you have a little reaction and it flips you out. It's like a puppet master pulling a string. We just react immediately. Oh, but that person did something. Oh, I'm not going to get what I want. Oh. You know? Jesus, this thing's just pulling it, pulling it, pulling it, pulling it, pulling it, pulling it. And we're walking around thinking... We're hot shit, and oh yes, I'm choosing, I'm doing this. You're not choosing a damn thing. Your free will has been taken over so much by the parasite. (laughs) You think you know what you like? I'm telling you, if you rooted some of the stuff that you think you really like, it wouldn't be rooted back to you. It'd be rooted back to a parasite, either one in your gut or one in your head. The sex inventory. You know where they say you take it to the fifth column. Everyone knows that, right? You take the fifth column and you ask yourself, "What I could have done instead?" So we can at least work towards a new ideal when it comes to relationships. Yeah, it's a nice simple sketch. You just say, "All right, well, I, I acted out, uh, I cheated on my girlfriend," and he said, "Well, maybe what I could have done instead was talk to my sponsor." Yeah. You know? So you just see different options so that you can actually have a better ideal, so maybe, just maybe, you could actually experience a viable relationship with another human being. And again, AA always, if you have a problem, it says write about it. Yeah, It doesn't say really talk about it. It says if you have a problem, what AA does with a problem is write about it. So you do an inventory. Why? Because if you do an inventory, it's going to produce an answer, but it's not going to be yours. That's what's good. Have you noticed that? I've had stuff going on that's really heavy up here, and I just did a small column inventory, and I'll tell you, the page, that little paper can hold the heaviest thing in your head. The heaviest thing in your head can be transferred to that little piece of loose leaf paper, and the paper won't buckle, yeah? So there's the heaviest thing going on, I'm trying to figure out what I should do, I just write it out, and then the answer appears. Hey, that's a really crazy idea I've been entertaining. Now if I decide to do it, then I'm accountable. The shit the I've done that. I've done an inventory, and it told me this is not a good idea, and I wanted to do it anyway, and I got the results. Yeah? So the idea of continuing doing inventories is helpful because it will reveal the expressions of self. Yeah? And when you can see the expressions of self, maybe, just maybe, what seeing them cannot possibly be self. Yeah? What's claiming the seeing is selfing, but what's actually doing the seeing is not. So for me, the fourth step, the fourth step leads to the fifth step. I'm gonna to try to end this quickly. We're losing everyone, eh? The fifth step is when I shared it with another person, which was incredible. And if you ever do another fifth step, take advantage of it and whatever secrets you have, put them out there. The most important the most important things I did was share a secret I had since I was eleven. I never wanted to share it with anybody. It had a large amount of room up there. They have security guards and everything. I no—I don't want anyone ever to find out what I had done. You know, so from eleven until I was—I did my first inventory. This thing had been—I've been paying rent to keep this under wraps. And I took the opportunity to share it with this man. And actually, he yawned right through it. He missed it, and I had to share it again.
1: Which was unbelievable.
0: It was bad enough the first time, but then he missed it, and I had put it out there again. But when I put it out there, I'll tell you something. The relief was unbelievable, because the security guards could be fired. Those storage units opened up, and some new shit could come in, and bye-bye. That's exactly what happens. You identify self as a storage unit all the faulty processing a self does concerning life and it does a lot of it you are—you have a lot of fucking pollution in processing a day from self-sentence and of course it's going to be very very heavy and where are you going to put it it's like nuclear waste it's got a life <laughs> so alright what was that I just did the sex sex is already over and then you know, the fifth step, so I share with another person, and I would definitely share my secrets again if I ever did another one. And then six and seven obviously is a work in progress. Yeah, to me it's a continual recognition of selfing, and you say, hey, I'm entirely ready to have that fucking stuff removed, and then you humbly ask whatever is the higher power to remove it. Yeah. So now you're recognizing the parasite, you don't deal with it from the point of view of a parasite, you look at it from a higher power, that higher power, you would say, please, hey, take this parasite out, it pulls one of its tentacles off. Yeah, okay. Another. And then the thing gets to this, says, I humbly ask you to remove it. And if you're entirely ready. Of course, you love the parasite. <laughs> And after a while, you'll get used to breathing atmosphere that's not fear-based. Yes. A world not of threats. Yes. A new peace and a new happiness. And so you'll humbly ask that power to remove it, and you'll be entirely ready to, and you'll be entirely ready to live without it. Yeah. And so the relief will last longer and longer and longer, and you'll start getting used to it. Just like you grew into the life of the parasite, you'll outgrow it. Yeah. And a is a beautiful beautiful system to let that outgrowing it occur sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly but you will outgrow living from the parasitic point of view you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear you're conscious hallelujah, I love this message The idea of freedom is just unbelievable. If you can entertain it, but not as a self, just let your mind entertain it. Freedom is unbelievable. Really, what we call freedom isn't freedom. Really, the real freedom is from self. It really is. I mean, it's so economical, and it just streamlines you. And you can actually walk in a room, and that's what you experience. not the yapping about. Did anyone see me? Did anyone notice I'm here? Oh, my zipper may be down, my shorts, my pants are too short, or whatever. Oh, is she here? No, 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 no. No, not all that narrative every day. You actually experience what you do. (laughs) You're actually conscious when you're feeling something. Yes? Eating, taste, everything. It's a whole new way of life. So so you've been served. Spiritual subpoena. We have a website. You can always go there. This talks constantly. If you're interested in it, great. If you're not, it's fine too, really. But I believe you have the right to hear it. So. I wouldn't bring it to this table. I wouldn't come to Staten Island unless I thought it was valuable. And I don't thought it, think of it valuably mentally. I think of it valuably result-wise. The proof is truly in the pudding. Yeah? When your life looks like you know, it doesn't promise the terrain or the destiny you have is going to change. Like you may get fired or you may get cancer, who knows as the body. But it will allow you to travel lighter through whatever life has in store for you. Yeah? Because the biggest rock to put down is the self. Really? And I know that by because it's been put down. That's the only way I truly know that, because it's been put down. And the result of that I can tell you with Complete confidence that that's the root of the problem, not obsession with self, but identification as self. Any questions today? We're not gonna. We're gonna end. eh? We don't need to do any more, do we? Tonight? Maybe we can come back tomorrow. You guys want to come back tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah? We'll do it tomorrow. Want to make our own schedule? Yes. I don't want to get up up Sunday. After yeah, no 9.30, yes. Huh? What's a good time?
1: Church. What's When's church? I, go to church nine. When?
0: I go from nine to ten. How about 11? Is 11 a good time? Good. We'll yeah. meet at 11 o'clock tomorrow? That's good? Yeah. Very good. A group
1: conscience. I love it. Democracy. You make the time and we'll show up. Thank you again. Hey, you're welcome, brother. I'll see you tomorrow. There you will. It's it's definitely the, good. Oh. <laughs> the, the, the difference it's just yeah, it's a good flavor, eh? Oh. Yes. I know you are. But there is no self. Yes. You well, we critics, well, you know, we're using words, but there is like, oh, no right?
0: Well, the body is truly ah, my, my um, view of body's appearance and consciousness. Just like the study of uh-huh. space, as far as your arms can go, so it thinks this is its body, not the space, but the space. And if I'm painting something, and I'm good at painting, it, the brain thinks the paintbrush is part of my hand, just like when you're driving a car, it becomes you. So the brain doesn't see you as a body either. It sees a bigger body, much bigger than the way we see it. This is a product of a mental process ourselves and energetically the brain is taking this space. yes all this space should be isn't it it says yeah and it has things called body nose. you have a brain so that's why when someone uses an arm and they call it, they have a phantom pain because the body map is still in place in the brain the brain feels the hand that there's no in it okay. uh, because yes. it's not what you're not feeling the feeling is happening in the brain. You think you're feeling this. This is the story of the mind tells you. But the feeling of the arm is in the brain. It doesn't need an arm to feel an arm. That's why you have these things called family Pain. The person has lost their arm, but they keep feeling the arm here. Because this is where the arm is actually felt, not here. Yeah. So the brain is making up this illusion, in a sense. And we take that part of the brain Right now, you're part of me.
1: Yeah? If this is. So, of course, to take this to you, you have to exclude being this. You have to see
0: yourself as a body. And I start here, and I don't know what this is, and you start there. But even they're
1: proven now, in the brain,
0: that's not how the brain works. So, your brain has vitamins. And that's why if you lose your arms, you think you have it. You see the weird shit that happens that people get damaged, they part of the brain. They see only their right side, they don't see this side, they only see this side. That's not, all they can see, they only see this side, they don't see this side. Oh, yeah, they can do things in the brain and they'll change your the whole experience literally, like this zapping exactly like something something, they can make your energy a just like when the, that would impulse. go, wow, what was that? What was that? What that? It's here. Uh-huh. This is a giant projector. So the idea of a cell, see, sometimes with language, when
1: you say drop yourself, the there's no other way to say
0: it. It's like, sure, sure, drop yourself. Of course there's no
1: dropping. The yes! Yes! <laughs> Recognize. you can see and through these, this, see this is like a machine that has five uh, packages feel, see, taste, touch so the consciousness animates the
0: body and then it has